Welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. We are grateful for listeners like you. Let's get right into it. Well, it's good to be back with another podcast episode. And thank you to Mandy Caddo for that great introduction. And um, and thank you to our producer, Ashley Kaiser. She also happens to be our communication coordinator and a brand new Biola University graduate. Wow. Congratulations well, to you, Ashley. Way to go, Ashley. All right. Hey, Lisa, uh, the fun thing that we get to do on a podcast like this is to be able to talk about Things related to relationships, and one that always comes up is the area of intimacy, closeness, whether it's emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, or physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. All of these ways that we connect with other people are so important, and they start, obviously, from the day we're born. Uh, obviously, even before we're born, there's an intimacy there between baby and mom. But at least when you come out, you start you know, growing in this world, um, healthy adults uh, are made with emotionally healthy, intimate, you know, social intimate childhoods, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have the ability to um, be close to somebody, there's a a lot there that is involved in that. And I think in all relationships, one of the things we have to be able to do is figure out, okay, if I'm struggling in my relationships, because I don't want to, I, I have a hard time being vulnerable or I don't ever mm. feel safe. Or one of the things that we've uncovered and talked about a lot here, Lisa, is that idea of what does it mean to be intimate with somebody? What are the characteristics, for example, of an emotionally intimate relationship? Uh, what do you think? You want to talk about that today? Yeah, I love that. And I think one of the things that comes to mind when I think of e- that kind of emotional intimacy, the word that comes to mind for me is friendship. Mm. Friendship, a deep and abiding emotional connection that, you know, that starts with a friendship. Even if we're talking about marital emotional intimacy, that starts with a really deep abiding friendship. Uh, that's that's so true. Almost every research you look at, whether it's John Gottman, who's, you know, who will say that, or, you know, researchers or psychologists, David Myers, anybody in this field says that. But, you know, what's funny, too, is it starts earlier on, even in the Bible, right? I mean, Jesus, of all things, says, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. And, and that, yeah. to me... It's amazing. Well, it is. To, and and it, it's so amazing because it really does set the stage for all of psychology, all of communication, all of sociology, all of education. This notion that there's something deeper about our friendships that sometimes we don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I think especially when you get to that part about Jesus and that verse from John, when he says, I'm not calling you servants anymore, I'm calling you friends. That is really amazing. Because when you think back to the Old Testament, there were really only two people that God ever referred to as his friends. Mm. Do you remember? Think of it for our listeners. Do you remember who that is? Well, first of all, he referred to Abraham as his friend, and he also referred to 
Moses. Moses. Yeah. Yes, he appeared to Moses and said he talked with him face to face as you would with a friend. Yeah. And so when Jesus says this in the New Testament in John, when he says, I don't call you servants, but I've called you friends. Mm. That's the first time we read in scripture about friendship with God. And Jesus is offering, I mean, when you think about it, he, he's the creator of the universe. The omnipotent creator of the universe is using such a stunningly familiar and intimate offering of friendship with him. You and I both looked at this one time, the difference between a friendship and even a servant, what Jesus was doing radically altered the dynamics at that moment. I mean, not only was he ultimately, you know, found to be the Savior, the King, the Lord, people at the time thought, well, who is this man? He's a great prophet. But that moment, I would imagine, freaked everybody out because, I mean, a servant was always thought of, oh, you're to be walking with God or to be anything. I mean, the servant term wasn't just about slavery and it wasn't, a, it was just about, they use that towards servants. And mm-hmm. so Lisa, there's a big difference when he said servant, no longer mm-hmm. friend now. Yeah. What about that difference? Yeah. And by the way, that scriptural reference is John 15, 12 through 16. And um, so when you think about the difference between how God or how we would see a servant versus a friend and think about how God sees us. He said, he just said, I no longer see you as a servant. I see you as a friend. So a a servant would be unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Whereas a friend in John 14, seven, we would see is known. A servant is invisible versus a friend is enjoyed. And we think about Zephaniah 3.17, where it says, God exalts over us with singing. He enjoys us. And then a servant is tolerated versus a friend is really treasured. And then a servant is replaceable versus a friend is beloved. And we think of 1 John Mm 3.1 with that one. And a servant would be fearful, maybe, whereas a friend is favored. Ephesians 2.10. A servant is controlled versus a friend is appreciated. And then a servant is obligated. They have to do their job, right? Versus a friend that is really valued, really valued. And a servant is judged and evaluated where a friend, we know in Romans 5.8, a friend is accepted. Yeah, well, and gosh, just thinking through that list, the the profound transformative change that occurred when the king of the universe referred to us as his friends. Mm -hmm. That means we're known, like you said, enjoyed, treasured, beloved, favored, appreciated, value, accepted. And and so let's tie this in to relationships. If, If that is the way the king views us, if that is the way we are now seen as believers, right? No. Think about when you're, let's say, dating someone and you're getting to know them. You feel known. Mm-hmm. You feel enjoyed. You feel treasured and beloved and favored. They're, yeah. they're looking out for you. That's why you like them. Yeah. <laughs> you feel appreciated. You feel laughed yeah. with and you feel together. Well, that's how all relationships 
probably progress to the point of marriage is right. I continue to fill these things from this other person. And, and, and I guess right there, we have the perfect recipe for what a friend is. Mm -hmm. It's all these things. So I guess the one question is, Lisa, as, as people move into serious relationships and conflict happens, they begin to, some of those begin to erode a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, in, in bad relationships, we begin to see people feeling, you know, I just feel unknown. I feel invisible mm -hmm. now. I, I feel like they, they, you know, they're controlling me, mm -hmm. you know, or I feel judged all the time. Well, you can see those are just the opposite yeah. of what a friend is. So we really ought to explore this idea of friendship and emotional intimacy kind of mm -hmm. together because all of these things to feel favored and enjoy are tapping into that deep need of being known. That's right. That and, I th and I think the risk that we run, Chris, is that the longer we're married, you mm -hmm. know, at the beginning of our marriage, we're in that honeymoon phase, right? There's a lot of idealism, a lot of uh, relational relation capital that we bring that's that's good into the marriage as we're starting but over time life happens right yeah. you you get busy you're working maybe you're doing school you start having kids you're doing all your kids activities and really you 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 begin to neglect to pay attention to your marriage relationship that friendship that you used to do so well yeah. And so I think we've got to stop at, our, at some point and ask ourselves, what keeps me from seeing my spouse as my friend? Yeah. And I, and I wonder, Lise, that, you know, just the time I went out and, you know, happened to buy a new car or whatever it was without <laughs> telling you, that doesn't mean I should feel invisible or judged. Holy cow. I mean, friends. Ask permission from their spouse. That's all I'm saying. No, you've never done that. No, no. But, but, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's these moments in marriage where you're like, I'm so mad. I don't, they, they are so mean, you know, and you, and you feel these things. And, you know, I can remember, you know, uh, the first time you and I, you know, had, you know, conflict, you know, we, we, we didn't have a whole lot of time together. So marriage was this awesome, you know, togetherness, but to be honest, those first conflicts kind of made you question a little bit. Like, you know, I see you crying and you're upset that I, you know, uh, was working. And when I, I think you came home and I, and I didn't hug you as much as you were used to. Well, you know, I remember thinking, gosh, I just didn't hook you. It's okay. But it made you, I mean, it, you were kind of fearful at yeah, that point. Yeah, I kind point of felt because, unnoticed and felt a little invisible, invisible. Yeah, or like I wasn't, like I didn't favor you like yes. I used to. Yes. And that caused fear, huh? Yes. And, 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 you know, whether it's real or not, it's still kind of, starts that moment where conflict can become to, or start to erode that intimacy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, then you do, we do dumb things, right? There are times in which I'll say, a, you know, a unkind word, you know, and you walk in and I'm watching the Broncos and you say, I, ah, the Broncos stink this year. And I'm like, Lisa, that is so <laughs> unkind of you. Them's fighting words there. <laughs> just because we can't win a game doesn't mean we're bad. It just means the other team is really, really good. Exactly. I know. And you have to stop being so critical of <laughs> the sports teams that are okay. But 
Let's think about there are things that we say and do. So, you know, I remember that quote. Not only did Jesus say, you know, love one another as I have loved you, right? No longer do I call you servants, but I've called you. You know, it says, in fact, it goes on, the servant doesn't know what the master does. But I have called, he says, I have called you friends for uh, all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. So this was not just Jesus saying this. Of course, Jesus is God and his father, but he is taking his authority saying, all that I've heard from my father was this next statement. In other words, wow, we are his friend. We can come to the father through Jesus now. You know, I remember C.S. Lewis talked about a really cool quote. You know, he says, friendship or companionship is responsible for nine-tenths of whatever solid and durable happiness there is in our mm-hmm. lives. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And then quote. he gave on, yeah, then he talked about what does friendship mean? It doesn't expect too much. You know, it turns a, a blind eye to, to faults. It revives, you know, after very easily after quarrels. So he began to give a list and, and Lewis said, that's the response. That's what happiness is, right? All of our happiness is due to good intimacy and friendships. Mm-hmm. Guy, girl, 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 you know, whatever that friendship is, whether it's, husband you know, wife. husband, mm-hmm. wife, uh, any of that. So Lisa, all research that we have found in the field of psychology also begins to show that there is a real importance to this idea of friendship, emotional intimacy. So let's dive into it. I know we're, that's a big introduction, but we're going to introduce a couple of concepts. Uh, there was one that they studied what makes for the happiest relationships, right? And they said, okay, there were seven overall factors when they did their research, when they looked at couples, this was what they said created the best friendships, the the happiest or the best relationships. Then they found out, gosh, we could even narrow this down to five and still predict on the basis of how you score on these five factors, we can predict a good friendship. What do you think? Should we go over there? Yeah, definitely. All right. Lisa, why don't you start as to the, what we call the five signs of relational friendship that predict the happiest yes. relationships. What are those keys? And remember, we're going back and using Jesus as our model and the friendship with God, friendship with Jesus as our model for our healthy relationships. And so um, the very first one that they came up with that they discovered was good friends frequently laugh together. Ooh. Good friends laugh together. What does that mean? Well, we look at, at God's at God's ideal, God's model for us. And it says in Zephaniah 317, we talked about that God delights in us, right? right? And so good friends just really enjoy being together. I love that, 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 that idea of laughing together, because if I think about anything that people say, they, why, they, why do you like somebody? It's because they laugh at my jokes or we I'm laugh funny. together. Yeah, they think I'm funny. And if you ask 
anybody, you know, I, I, I would, I, I can imagine there are some friends that they never laugh, you know, they, you know, they have a different, but for the most part, yeah, yeah. and I remember us just, we can laugh and still to this day, oh, yeah. yes, that we find something funny on YouTube and you come running into the room showing me these reels and ins from Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, of you this little, see this. This, is so this funny. little baby, you know, that does this amazing look, or you find these just incredibly funny things. And I hear you laughing in the room. You come back and you want to share it. Why? Well, because you want me to laugh with you. And, and you do. And That's I do. That's what makes it so fun to share it with you. Do you remember when our, our youngest, Caroline, is 20 years old now? Do you remember when she was like about seven, I don't know, seven, eight years old? And one time she came to us, she said, Mommy, I know what you and Daddy do in the room at night when you go to bed. <laughs> Yeah, because her bedroom was... You can imagine my eyes got like saucers. You know, it's like, what is about to come out of this kid's mouth? And I just said, oh, really, honey? So like, what do you hear? And she says, I just hear you and daddy laughing because he's tickling you. And it's like, oh, whew. You know, I'm like wiping the sweat off my brow. Okay, dodged a bullet there. But I thought, how delightful that our our kids can hear us in the house and what they hear is us laughing together yeah. and enjoying each other. And and so I think if you look at your relationship, there's a lot of things to evaluate. So that if this is a sign, number one, that good friends frequently laugh together, think about the inside jokes that you have or the way they make you feel comfortable, right? When you feel comfortable joking is, uh, you know, about being vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and it's not teasing. It, it, it could involve at some point teasing, but mostly it's about just finding situations funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a movie you always laugh at, so you rewatch it. I, I, you know, I could think of all of the videos and all the things that were just so funny to the both of us. You know, we had some friends over one time and like, uh, that wasn't very funny. And we're like, that's the funniest show ever. And then we went to a movie one time our friends found very funny. I think it was Dumb and Dumber. And I just kept thinking, I'm walking out. This like, is this the, is horrible. And they <laughs> loved that movie. I, I think there's movies like that today, you know, where you two hopefully find it funny. Yeah. And, and I think, Lisa, that idea, too, is you uh, this idea of every time we have a conversation with somebody, we transfer like or dislike, they say. Right. So there's every conversation. I like you. Or I don't like you, or really it's neutral, I guess, if you're, you know, in a store doing a transaction. But even doing a transaction oh, in the store, yeah. you can tell, oh, they're they're having a bad day. They don't either. But we can interpret that as they don't like me. They're just mean and angry. And we take it personal. And we can take it personal. Right. And that's called the transfer of affect. Yeah. It's so transfer. quickly how we transfer affect. You see a kid and you smile at them. When you take something away or cover their hands up, they're like, They look at you to go, wait, you're smiling. That means you like me. That means this is a game versus if you, I don't know, cover up their hands or take a toy from them and look mean, they're going to be very, well, almost frightened because they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, uh, you know, can I say, I think one of the the best ways that you uh, do a positive transfer of affect of this friendship and that one of the nonverbal ways you communicate to me regularly that you delight in me, that you enjoy Mm -hmm. me and that we're friends is when I walk into a room, Mm -hmm. it's like I walk into the room and your face lights up when you see me. 
It's like yeah. you stop what you're doing, you pay attention, you smile, you wink at me, you you just give me the gift of your attention. Yeah. And I love that. That makes me look forward to coming home to you. That makes me look forward to you coming home uh, because it makes me feel like, you know what? He really does like me. You know, that, that old Sally Fields and the Oscars, if you remember that when she won the Oscars, she's like, you like me. You really like me. And I think that's how it makes me feel. So and imagine what you're like, what it's like to come home to you. If you're married, if you have roommates, right, Ashley, imagine what it's like to come home to you when when your roommates come in, when your spouse comes in, when your kids walk in the door. Do you make an effort to really pay attention, to smile, to give positive engagement? Or do you, you know, start listing out the problems of the day, the things you're unhappy with being negative? And so one of the ways that you can convey that friendship aspect of I delight in you mm-hmm. is to be the kind of spouse, the kind of friend, the kind of roommate you would want to come home to, right? Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Okay. And so, Chris, you want to talk? Yeah, I think the, the just with that, too, at least think about friendship. Uh, like some people would say, my dog, my pet is my best friend. Okay, well, that's great. You know, it, 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 or... They're, they're like a friend. Yes. But imagine walking in when your dog hasn't seen you. What do they do? They get excited. Oh, all over you. Or, you know, or babies or kids. You know, you come in, oh, hey. You know, we walk in and kids are like, oh, good to see you. You get excited, yeah. right? That right there is that way in which we do that. Lisa, I, I think we could spend a lot of time on how do you develop you know, more deeper, you know, enjoyment and, and laughing together. And, and, and so let's ask the opposite. Now we have five different things that we're going to go over and we'll probably do this in two podcasts because I want to really ask, you know, dive in a little bit more to this one. What would be the opposite? Like, you know, that is, um, what if all of a sudden your friendship, are there any bad signs Mm. related to number one? So we, we said, Sign number one in a lot of research finds that good friends frequently laugh together, that a good marriage is going to be about enjoying each other in that company. So when you start to not feel that way, you you had a friend one time, I remember, that uh, asked you a very important question, and, and I loved your answer. She said, my husband comes home. You know, we've been married, I don't know, I think at this time it was four years, but I no longer, if if he comes home first or if I come home, neither one of us anymore get happy or excited to see the other person. Mm-hmm. And I loved your advice. Uh, I think you, I remember you saying, listen, what did you used to do? So what you were just talking about earlier, what did you used to do when you were first married, when they first came home? You said, well... I would meet him at the door and hug him and say, hi, I missed you. He said, okay, we'll do that. And I, I love that because there's a social psych principle that says, if you, you, we behave because we feel something. So it goes like this. I feel love, right? I have an attitude mm-hmm. and then I act, mm-hmm. I act lovingly towards you, mm-hmm. right? So I go, oh, I feel love for this person. I'm going to go and act like I love them. but. Amazing. Social psych research finds the opposite is also just as true, if not more so, mm. that we be our behavior leads us to a feeling. 
So think about that. That's kind of backwards, but it's one of the most documented social psych findings out there. In other words, what you told this woman to do was, okay, behave first. What did you used to do? Go to the door, hug and kiss and say hi. And then the love that you used to feel, the laughing, the seeing, mm-hmm. the, 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 the intimacy will follow. And she's like, but that doesn't feel right. That feels false, oh, inauthentic. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But I loved that, that you did this because here's what it would do. And here's, I think what she found and is Lisa, she found that it was difficult the first day, mm-hmm. right? He comes in or she comes in and they, you know, she goes up and hugs and greets and says, hi. And yep. she's like, but I didn't feel right. Yeah, and he's looking at her like, what are you doing? You mm-hmm. don't ever do this. But she stuck with it. And I encouraged her, stick with it. Do it every day for a month. Every day for a month, you go and you greet him at the door. Stop whatever you're doing. Be excited. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was even just do it for a week. Try it. See what happens. And what what she found is that the, the longer she did this, the more often she did this, that he began to respond after a couple of days and he began to get excited and he began to, to, she, she felt it that, that it came back to her. He, He began to reciprocate it. So that, that feeling for her was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to enjoy getting excited and seeing him. He's getting excited seeing me. And suddenly their whole ritual of greeting each other at the end of the day began to change. Her heart changed, his heart changed, and the feelings came along after she put the behaviors in place. And it's even like the the principle of gratitude, what research has showed is that it's not that happy people are more grateful is that grateful people are happier. You do the actions and then the feelings begin to follow. Yep. No, I love that. That's exactly right. I remember, you know, as she was telling you this, you know, the first day was awkward. The second day was was bad because she felt inauthentic, right? Third or fourth day, she's like, well, you know, I just felt, I don't know. It's not as bad as I thought. By the fifth and sixth day, she said she heard the door, heard the car, her, heard the door slam, and all of a sudden she felt her heart like, oh, he's home. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, I'm kind of excited that he's home. And I was like, wait a minute. That's... And so she goes up to the door, hugs and greets him. And she, I, I think, Lisa, you said with after a week, uh, she found herself excited again when he got home, which demonstrates that whole notion that your behaviors start to influence your feelings. And no longer did it feel inauthentic. And then he, like you said, he changed, she changed, and it really did kind of allow them to recapture. And and then all of a sudden now their nights were going better. You know, they're having more fun together like they used to, laughing and having fun. Yeah, that for, in fact, just even that, that's a great point. That, that initial reconnection at the end of the day, how you'd spend that first, let's say, one minute or two minutes together, greeting, saying hello, kissing, hugging, uh, it really does set the tone for the rest of the night, doesn't it? It does. And and even going down to friendships, like you mentioned roommates. Well, yeah. okay, I, you know, you may not be pleasant or you may not feel good or you may not. But if, if they're coming over, suppose you're, you know, going out to coffee. I mean, you could that first night, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's happening? And, you know, and you do something that's natural. Right. 
Uh, but sometimes even, let's say, in a dating relationship, we start to see that fading or there's other things that come up or someone's stressed out. Just taking each other for granted. Yeah. I remember one time there was a girl that I stopped dating at right after this incident almost. We're in the dorm room uh, having fun, messing around. And, and I, you what, know, we're laughing. What we does left. that mean? You were having fun messing around in just, her dorm. <laughs> no, uh, Can sorry. you explain studying. that a little bit? <laughs> we were studying. And, but by messing around, I meant I would take a piece of paper, and she's studying at her desk. I'm studying over there at you know this other place. I think even her room, it was in the room. And all I did was throw a piece of paper at her and... You know, just for fun, you know, like lightening things up because it was a stressful, I think it was finals week. Oh, that's asking for it. I know. Well, she was just like, I mean, I thought she'd go, hey, stop it, you know, in teasing. And I probably would have stopped. But she was like, Chris, stop that. I don't, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm studying. I'm like, ooh. Ooh, Well, I didn't learn my lesson. You know, five minutes later, I throw another one. And that was the last time because she really kind of got... I don't know about mad. Yeah, okay, mad. And 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 I remember thinking, okay, this is. I get it. I you know, uh, well, okay. I I own myself that I probably shouldn't have teased. Told me something you were about having her. Fun. You were being yeah. playful, and she yeah. didn't respond in a in a like manner. I think that's right. And and so it was more than just that moment. It, there was a playfulness that wasn't there. Yeah. And playfulness is part of laughing together. Mm-hmm. You have fun. You play together, right? Mm-hmm. You do playful things. And sometimes people aren't as playful, but that's what that's what this one's about. So yeah. should we move to the second one? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll, we'll po- probably, you know, cover the last three uh, on the next podcast. Okay. Lisa, I think that idea of good f- uh, friends frequently left together. You know what also good friends do, they found, is they calmly, calmly. Yes talk about things yeah they, they have calm conversations they have they there's a control there there is you know a lack of that that anger that i saw in in this girl that instead she could have calmly said hey chris i'm really busy and i'm stressed did you mind not teasing and i would have went oh yeah no problem i'm sorry yeah. i was just teasing and you probably could have then come up come around her and supported and, her and been empathetic yeah. and yeah. she blew it Yep, she blew it. I I broke up and married someone uh, yes. about four years later that was most awesome yes. and beautiful and has never once been angry. You've all, I mean, at me, you've never said unkind words or were mean. Like, Stop it. I mean that. Like, whoa, never, never. Okay. What that means is the word calm. Good friends can calmly talk about things, whether it's discussing issues or whether it's, you know, talking about life or events of the day or disappointments or frustrations. You do it in a way that's calm, not angry. So let's talk about that. What does calm, what's the opposite, right? It it means you're agitated. Yelling. Okay, great. Everybody's agitated. I get agitated. Uh, You've been agitated at me. But what that means is People, good friends, when they calmly discuss issues, say, listen, something's really bothering me. You know, the fact, Chris, that you always leave the cabinet doors open or the fact that you always, you know, or whenever you do this, well, you do it in such a way that it says, Chris, hey, I really get stressed out when the house is looking a mess and people are coming over and, 
do you mind if you can help me with this? Well, mm. that's calm. Yeah. Versus saying, why don't you ever do anything around here? You, you know, like, <laughs> whatever, right, right? Right. And, and let's talk about that. So yeah. point two, good friends calmly have, con- have calm conversations or calmly discuss differences or conflicts or, you know, discuss issues. Right. And so when we look at the scriptural uh, the model of that, what the way God is with us in Exodus, I believe it's 34, six, it says the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And I love that. He is slow to anger. He is quick to be merciful and gracious. And so that's our role model of what he expects for us to live out in our own relationships. So like what you were saying, Chris, those that idea of self-control in those emotions. Sure, we're going to get angry. We're going to get frustrated. Uh, We have times that, you know, that we get ticked or put out with each other. But the point is we don't lash out in anger. You don't yell. You don't scream. Uh, Scripture also tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath, right? And so if you come in screaming a hundred miles an hour, hot and heavy in anger, that conversation is not going to go well. And in fact, the other person's going to put up their defenses and try to protect themselves, be defensive or lash back out, right? So it's that idea of self-control. I, I love that. So, so, so what's the, the good part is the word calmly or God, as you mentioned mm-hmm. god is patient and kind forbears soft, to get gentle. angry soft yeah. okay it's not always easy to do no but you can do it right and and maybe we'll give them one or two ways that that we can talk about doing this how 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 you need to pause and walk away and take some time away and pray and get your heart ready before you go forward or let's also then Talk about what are the signs when things don't aren't going calmly, and and what should you do? Right? I mean, if you if if you know that the person you're with in a friendship kind of gets feisty with you or gets kind of a bout of anger, does uh, uh, would that worry you? Are you looking that as so? You know, I I heard you mention this idea. You look for patterns, Mm, mm -hmm. right? Not potential. Well, if you're hanging out with somebody, you're dating them and they frequently get angry. They get angry maybe with the waiter or the guy driving the car or, or all of a sudden they turn a little bit on you at times when they get Mm -hmm. impatient. What's the level at which you should start to be concerned? Well, I love how you said it's the patterns. Do, do, do they frequently, you know, daily or regularly, regularly criticize you or say something in anger or come back and have to say, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I, I was just angry. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that I can get that. Yeah. But raising your voice, criticizing, mm-hmm. you know, passive aggressive can be angry where you just say, I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. to you. Like, whoa. Yeah. Calling names yeah. or ignoring uh, your valid complaints. So it's like, yeah. hey, you know, when you do this, this, this really hurts my feelings or yeah. It makes me feel bad or, it, you know, it really stresses me out. If, if yeah. you're not willing to, you know, meet that need and just say, hey, you need to get over it. Yep. Well, that's not going to, you know, that's not very loving. That's not very sacrificial love that, you know, that God asks us to do and role models for us. 
Yeah. And to be fair, the girl that, you know, it wasn't just me throwing, you know, a piece of paper, you know, crumbled up at her and, you know, and then her getting really ticked. To be fair, there were other times where it, it seemed like she would just, um, bits of anger would come out, mm. you know, frustration, like, stop that. I'm like, okay, you know, and now that told me so much because I was mm. fearful that, wow, I can't be playful without risk, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe that's normal. Yeah. Maybe it's normal to be with somebody that's angry. I, you know, how do you know that you're just dating? Yeah. And that can even be in friendships. You know, if you're in the kind of, if you're in friendships, there are some friendships that come so natural and are just easy and you don't even feel like you have to try. You just enjoy each other and, it, and, and it's just really easy. And then there are some friendships that you just have to work at, yeah. you know, they don't come natural and you really have to put in effort if that friendship is important to you. And so one of the things you're talking about, even patterns in friendship is, uh, you know, when, when there are issues, does this person, you know, do they just like jump all over you about it or can they come to you and say, Hey, listen, you know, when you left your shoes in the middle of the floor, you know, your roommates, right? You, you left your, your shoes in the middle of the floor and we just had like a, a, a house meeting about this that we're all going to pick up after ourselves. You, you know, it really is stressful to come home. You want your home to be a refuge, but it's kind of stressful to come home and the house is a mess. Do you mind picking up your shoes and just put them in the closet when you take them off instead of leaving them versus, you know, somebody that, that just jumps all over you, assumes the worst and, um, Anyway, so it's really applicable in our friendships right. as well. I love that, least because they're in a friendship, if it's so much work because they're constantly, uh, you're on edge, you're, you're walking on eggshells pretty soon, that effort is like, well, wait a minute, why? This isn't the basis of a good friendship, yeah. right? This is almost harder almost toxic. And then the question is now, well, you have a choice. That's the good thing about friendships, right? Like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I have to live out the rest of this semester or year with this person. Fine. But they're, they don't feel safe. You know, we can't calmly talk about things. They're just too angry. And, and I think that's, a, you know, the way you handle it. So we did, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think when I think of good friends calmly discussing issues, there's two things that come to mind for me, Chris. First of all, is uh, the idea of can they express their anger, their hurt, their frustrations and uh, with kindness? You yeah. want to be able to be forthright. You want to be able to share a valid complaint, but you can do it watching the tone of your voice where you do it with kindness and you're gentle. Kind, tender-hearted, right? And then the second thing is, are, are they able to assume the best of you going into that? Am I assuming the best of them? You know, whether it's you or it's our kids or maybe a coworker that, that I might have an issue with. If I can come into it where I'm assuming the best, like, wow, you know, there's this issue. And I know you probably had a hard day. You probably just were busy and overwhelmed. You weren't thinking about it when you kicked your shoes off. You're just happy to be home and, and relaxing. And I love that our house is that kind of house you can come home to. And... It really helps everyone else if you go ahead and just pick up your shoes and keep them in your closet, right? So 
assuming the best. And then when you have something to say, something to complain or issue to discuss, you come at it with kindness and being gentle and tenderhearted. Those Boy, two things and you're set. Yeah. And, and so that there's a tip for friendships, right? There's a tip for d- dating signs and patterns. Listen, everybody gets frustrated. Everybody gets everybody. angry. It's the way you calmly do it. And also you're a good forgiver, it, you know, right? You, you extend, you, you go in and you say, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry. I, I got frustrated. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Well, I think we're all allowed that opportunity to sometimes be frustrated and not happy, right? Think of all the times in our friendships with others, you know, uh, our co-host, you know, Tim Muehlhoff, he ticks me off all the time. And I'm like, Tim. And, and, and then I have to say, Tim, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been, you know, angry because you were so dumb. Uh, and he goes. And he's not even here to defend himself. Shame on he, you. Huh? Oh, yeah, he's not here today. We love you, Tim. Tim, we love you. But, hey, you know, the, that notion, though, is you don't always end a friendship just because someone's, you know, angry or critical. There's a pattern, and it happens over time. Right. So, Lisa, I think we talked about two very important emotional intimate relationships that lead to happiness that good friends have. And that is one, they frequently laugh together mm-hmm. and two, they, f- they can calmly discuss issues. That's right. And so we'll wrap it up today. And in our next podcast, we're going to do part two, where we will cover the last three signs of a really great, solid friendship. I love that. And we'll t- where it's on the context of emotional intimacy, friendship, which leads to these healthy relationships. And here are the signs by which you can judge, you know, the quality of your friendship and your relationship. Great. What do you think? So we'll do that. And we are so glad that you joined us this week on the Art of Relationships. Hey, we would love it if you would take a few minutes to uh, subscribe to our podcast, rate us on whatever platform that you are listening to. Hey, we need those five stars. It it really does help. And so we're glad that you joined us and we'll look forward to talking to you next time here on the Art of Relationships. See you next time. Thanks for listening to The Art of Relationships. This podcast is only made possible through generous donations from listeners just like you. If you like it and want to help keep the podcast going, visit our website at cmr.biola.edu and make a donation today.